Um, hey, uh, if uh, this is your first time here at Edinburgh Church, I do want to just say, hey, we're glad to have you. I want to thank you all for coming out this morning, uh, making it out in, in uh, this weather. Um, if you're watching online, hey, glad you're also tuned in. We know we have people watching all across um, the U.S. And, and even across the world. And I just want to ask the question, how many of you actually shoveled your driveways or at least that mound of snow at the end of the driveway this morning? Some of you. How many just shotgunned it out of your garage and tried to clear it? How many of you got stuck? Okay, just your pastor? Okay. I'm thankful for my neighbors who had to help shovel me out this morning. I did get stuck, but uh, I'm glad that you made it here safely. Glad to be here with you. And uh, this morning, um, we're going to be, I'm going to be giving a message called It Takes a Church, uh, because I believe firmly that together we're able to accomplish a lot more or more than we ever could if we tried to just go at it alone. It really does take a church. And, and our mission here at Edinburgh Church, the way we say it, um, to fulfill the mission Jesus gave us, to make disciples, is that um, we're gonna, we want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to lead people into a growing relationship uh, with, with Jesus. And honestly, um, here at Edinburgh, it's, it's never been about like, trying to be a big church, um, or being even a well-known church. Um, here at Edinburgh, it's always been about the one. Remember, reaching that next person for Christ. That's the heartbeat of this church. And for some of you, the one, it's a son. It's a son who's not doing church and doesn't have a relationship with the Lord right now in his life and needs that relationship. Some of you, it's a daughter who's struggling and needs to know the love of God and who she is in Christ. For others of you, it's a spouse. It's not here with you today. Maybe it's a parent or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker. But at Edinburgh, it's always been about reaching that next person, the one. And this is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. In fact, we read this in Luke's gospel account. Jesus is being attacked by the Pharisees, the religious people, because he is establishing relationships with those who don't know God and those who are far from God. And the religious people are upset with Jesus that he would reach out to them and eat and drink with them. And so Jesus hears what they're saying, and he goes on to tell this story in Luke 15. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep and having lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the one having been lost until he finds it? Saying, you love the sheep. And if you missed and lost one sheep, you're going to go out and you're going to find that sheep. And he says, and having found it, he lays it on his shoulders and, and rejoicing. And and having come to the house, he calls together the friends and the neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, the one having been lost. This is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of our God. He cares about the one. He loves the 99, but he cares about the one. And, and, And we should be thankful that he does, because at some point in our life, we were the one. And Jesus came to us. And now his heartbeat 
is that we will reach that next one for Christ with the good news that Jesus has given us. And, and that's why I love this church, honestly, I, it, it is, because I remember the first time I ever stepped foot into a church as a teenager. And most of you know my story. I came from a rough background, coming out of drug abuse and all kinds of things. And I, I think back on that time, I mean, the only pair of jeans I owned were Jinko jeans. I don't know if anybody remembers Jinko jeans. Super baggy jeans, all right, that were meant to sag. That was the only pair of jeans I owned. I had a sweatshirt, and it smelled of smoke. And I can't even tell you what kind of smoke it smelled of. It was the only, the only sweatshirt I owned. My haircut, okay? I had a shaved head, except for long bangs that I would slick back. It's been my goal in life to find every picture from that time period and burn it, okay? <laughs> to just forget that time period. But that... That's how I was dressed the first time I walked into this church. And I remember walking into this church and everybody else was wearing the church clothes. And nothing against church clothes except that when I walked into this church, it was clear they didn't want me there. It was clear that I stood out like a sore thumb and it was more than just being uncomfortable because it's always uncomfortable when you step into church for a first time. But I remember feeling judged and feeling ashamed about the way I looked. I remember going into the worship center. I did not connect with the worship. In fact, if I had to be brutally honest, it was lame. I remember the message. The pastor was speaking over my head. I had no idea what he was talking about. Never went back to that church. Fortunately, I eventually found another church where they, they, they were speaking my language. They welcomed in people like me, and that's when I started to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And that's why I'm thankful for Edinburgh, because this is a place where people come in and they connect, and their lives begin to be transformed. You know, this is a, this is a place where I, I invite my mom and dad, and they come in, and you know, my mom and dad, they grew up in the 70s, listening to rock and roll, and God knows what else. They love our worship here. They love our worship. And yet I also have friends, 30-somethings, who, when I invite them, love our worship. I know many of our teens love our worship here at Edinburgh Church. Love that about our church. I love that you can come into Edinburgh, even if you've never been in church before in your life, and you can at least understand what the speaker up on this platform is saying. Yet you can also be a Christian who's grown up in the church your entire life, and you can walk out being challenged. I love that we have top-notch children's ministries and student ministries and places that help partner with parents to raise that next generation. In fact, we just recently got this email from one of our parents in our children's ministry area. Someone wrote in, a mom, said, thank you. Had to send you an email. Out of the blue, my son came up to me this past week and he said, mom, God's got it. Wow. Even though he isn't the best listener, and then she put in parentheses, and that's a major understatement, the lessons presented at Edinburgh are making a difference. Thanks so much. Her son came home after one Sunday and realized God is in control and that we can put our faith and our trust in God. God has got it. This is the kind of stuff that's happening at Edinburgh, and this is why I do love our church. And yet, when I look at statistics and see what's happening in our culture, I realize we live in a time, and you need to know this, we live in a time where there is so much opportunity to fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. 
In fact, Dave Ferguson, in his book, Hero Makers, he has a focus group, and they've done studies. 80% of churches, he says, in the U.S. are plateaued or declining. Only 1% of churches in the U.S. are actually growing due to reaching people for Christ. I just found out that on this part of the cities, the cities where this church is located, get this, 7 out of 10 people don't do church. 7 out of 10. Friends, population is growing. In fact, population is growing like crazy, but less and less people are doing church and have a relationship with God. If ever there was a time for the church to step up and live out the mission that Jesus has given us, friends, this, this truly is the time. In fact, I put this in your handout, this little statement. You might want to jot this in and fill in these blanks, but the demand for people to know Christ is greater today than our capacity. The demand for people to know Christ today, it's greater than our ability, our capacity to do it. Just within a few square blocks of this church, there are literally thousands and thousands of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why I love this church, because we're reaching many of these, these people. You know, it was Valentine's a couple weeks ago, and it got me thinking about the story of, of, of a young man and a young woman who were dating. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But this young man found out that this young woman would like flowers when Valentine's Day rolled around. And uh, the problem was this young man was cheap and frugal, and he didn't get why anyone would want flowers. Right? Flowers, they just die. Right, men? I mean, what? He thought Valentine's Day was just a giant conspiracy put on by Hallmark to make lots of money. And so his plan was that he would go to pick up his girlfriend at the time, and as he was walking through the mall, maybe he would stumble upon something because his wife or his girlfriend worked at the mall, and maybe he would find something he could buy her and present to her. And he came across this stand that was selling these really cheap beanie babies. Most of them were picked over, but the ones that nobody wanted were still there. And it was good news because they were actually on sale. So I went ahead. I mean, <laughs> this man in the story went ahead and bought one of these beanie babies. And then he showed up and he gave his girlfriend this beanie baby. Yeah, she thought the same thing. She wasn't very impressed. In fact, I could, I mean, he could tell that she wasn't very thrilled. And he said, what? What did you want me to do? Spend my money and buy you flowers? She said, yes. I said, I thought it was the thought that counts. She said, it's not. I wanted flowers. And you know, as I've grown in my relationship with Danielle, what I've come to realize is it's not about the flowers, but the reason we buy the flowers is because love requires sacrifice. That's what it's about. It's about sacrifice. Love requires us making sacrifice. I stumbled upon this story this past week in 2 Samuel 24, where David's servant um, wants to offer a bull um, for David to sacrifice. Uh, so that David doesn't have to use one of his animals. But I love what David says. This is from 2 Samuel. David says this. He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. 
I'm not going to offer a burnt offering that doesn't cost me anything, where there's no sacrifice involved. And friends, I bring this up because if we're going to fulfill our mission, it's going to require sacrifice. The church coming together and making sacrifice so that we can do the ministry that Jesus has called us to. And this morning, all I want to do is I just want to share with us a couple reasons we make the sacrifice. The time we have left, a couple reasons we make the sacrifice, because I hope you know no one else is going to do it. You know, politicians aren't going to fulfill this mission. Politics aren't going to do it. Public schools aren't going to do it. Secular universities aren't going to do it. And by the way, you teachers who work in that, I have nothing but respect for you because you are salt and light in those places. But we need to understand the secular universities are not going to teach our kids or the people we're trying to reach about the good news of Jesus. In fact, I would tell you the secular universities today, friends, are anti-God. They, they, they teach something that directly opposes their being a creator and a God who created us, loves us, and has a plan for our life. But, but God didn't appoint them to fulfill the mission. He appointed the church. It's you and me. And so why do we make these sacrifices? Well, first, we make these sacrifices because when we sacrifice, it increases our kingdom impact. We are able to do more when we sacrifice together. You know, we've been able to do a lot of great things as a church. Um, I was just thinking last year, we, we were able to raise $30,000 to help people who were on hard times financially. We gave away $30,000 to people who just needed financial assistance. And we raised that in a year, but really when you think about it, it took a lot longer than a year to raise that kind of money. It's actually taken 65 years. <laughs> going back to a small group of people who had this dream to tell one more person the good news of Jesus Christ. And so they began pooling their resources together, and they began making sacrifices, many of them going over and above a tithe, so that a church could be planted in Brooklyn Center. 65 years later, that church has evolved and grown into what it is today where we have the kind of resources and people available to raise $30,000 to help people in financial need. That's because for 65 years there's been committed men and women who have given a committed, faithful, dare I say non-emotional sacrifice to Edinburgh so this church could be. One of the things they've given their money to, to support is just having a building. You know, this building is not the church. You need to know that. You are the church. The people are, are, make up the church. But this building is a ministry tool that we use to do effective ministry. We, we are able to do so much more with this building than we could ever do without it. And I just want to give you some stats from these last couple years to see the kinds of things that have taken place because we have this building available, available to us. Our beginnings ministry, that's our birth through K. Did you know in the last two years it's grown 21%? 21%, that's a lot of growth in two years. That's a lot of, of new kids. In fact, last week, one of our down weeks, because it was a you know, holiday weekend, but Tammy had 65 kids just for service. And I want you to think about that, trying to oversee 65 kids. Think about that for a second. 
Here in a worship center, we've grown 12% in the last two years. Our student ministry in the last year, we just crunched the numbers. It's grown 20%. So you might not know this, but we just recently had to call up the fire marshal. Uh, and usually you don't want the fire marshal in your building, right? We had to call up the fire marshal to check out our student ministry because this past fall, every Wednesday night, we went over fire code in the swap room. So the fire marshal looked at it. He said, if you move out some stuff and rearrange some things, I can up the code to this, which he did. But based on current um, growth projections, come this fall, we're going to be above fire code again. And so the plan is, especially on the busier nights, the student ministry is actually going to have to move from the student room. They're going to have to start meeting here in the worship center. That's the kind of growth that's taking place in our student ministry. Okay, how about our Awana ministry? You know how many kids we had sign up this last year? 177 kids signed up for our Awana ministry. These are all record numbers, by the way. I want you to know this. It, took, it, it takes 92 volunteers to pull off our Wednesday nights. Think about how many people are using this building on Wednesday. When our students are together, Awana's taking place. I mean, 92 volunteers are what we have to have signed up to pull off just our, our Awana ministry. But friends, you know, there's so much more going on than even just this. We have Treehouse that's now using Edinburgh's building as their headquarters in North Minneapolis. Their offices are based now here. Treehouse is reaching at-risk youth. I'm trying to point these youth to Jesus. And let them know there's a God who loves them. The numbers that really get me excited, though, is in October, I was able to give an invitation for people who wanted to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We had 32 people in this room make a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. Then Christmas rolled around and many of you stepped up to volunteer and be a part of what God was doing because we knew there's a lot of people in our community, they'll come to church once or twice a year, Easter and Christmas. And so you stepped up to help take care of their kids and point their kids to Christ. We had 18 kids make first-time decisions for Jesus Christ at our Christmas Eve services and we had 22 teens and adults make first-time decisions right here in this room. Last week, Pastor Tyler gave a message, gave an invitation. Two more people made a first-time decision for Jesus Christ. Friends, listen to this. In the last just over four months, when you add it all up, we've seen 18 kids come to know Jesus and 56 teens and adults. That's what's happening in this building. Yeah. And so thank you so much because I, this, is, this is my point, though. We're able to do this kind of ministry because we have this building. And I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, part of the reason I'm doing this message is because we need to raise some money to take care of this building. You know, my goal is by the end of June to raise $50,000 to help take care of this building. Just to keep this building fresh, maintain this building right now, our sprinkler system is going out on us. And we have to replace our sprinkler system to keep this building safe. The cheapest bid we got is 150 grand to fix our sprinkler system. Okay? And we got to do it. And now our, your leaders have done a great job setting money aside for rainy days such as this, but we still need about 50 grand so we don't have to take out a loan. That will also go to things, though, like freshening up certain rooms in our building, uh, like where our kids are meeting. The daycare that also meets throughout the week here, you know, they've banged up those rooms pretty good. They're going to need new flooring. They're going to need to be painted. 
And so I need to raise 50 grand because that's going to help us to keep this building effective so we can continue seeing lives transformed and fulfilling the mission Christ has given us. I want you to think about it this way. At some point, you came into this building, and if you had kids, you were able to drop them off in one of our kids' areas. Regardless, you were able to come in here and find a seat. And the reason you were able to find a seat is because somebody sacrificially gave so you could have that seat to sit in. And what I'm asking is that you would step up and you would sacrificially give so that the next person can have a seat to sit in too. So that's the first reason. We give because it increases our impact, but secondly, we, we, we make this sacrifice because it leads to great joy. Friends, there's nothing more joyful than seeing someone come to know Jesus and seeing their life transformed. And this, again, is the heart of God. It's the heart of Christ. We read this in Hebrews 11, too. I love it. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus made the sacrifice. What was the joy? Us. Reaching the one, seeing us come into a relationship with God. And so he was willing to make the sacrifice in the pursuit of joy that our lives would be transformed and our lives would be changed. This past week, we sat down with some people who have had their lives transformed here at Edinburgh Church, and we made a video. And uh, I want you to turn your attention to the screen. Watch this video. So my name's Brady. This is my wife, Amanda. Uh, we have a son, Merrick, who is four, a son, Bowen, who is one, and then God just surprised us with our third boy. Um, he will be coming in May, so, yeah. Yeah, so last um, March, I was chatting with our fabulous daycare provider, Peggy Longley, and was just sharing my heart that we were... Um, feeling the nudge to possibly look into other churches just because we had the desire um, for our boys to have some opportunities that our current church didn't have um, and just wanting the intentionality of coming alongside us um, as we raised them and wanted the opportunity of like Awana and VBS and um, just that smaller close-knit family feel and so as I was sharing that with her she was like we offer all those things at Edinburgh. You should come check it out. And so last April we came and kind of the rest has been history. I would say, uh, I remember the first week we were here, um, I went and picked our son Merrick up from his class and he was just so excited. Um, he could tell me like the whole lesson that they learned. It was uh, Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors. Um, still remember it to this day because he was just so excited about it. He said, Dad, my teachers prayed for me. Um, and just seeing how excited he was about church, um, and it's, the focus was like he was getting, you know, fed the Bible and like learning there. It wasn't like he just went back and played and off he goes. Like he's actually getting fed while we're in church, getting fed as well. And so just to see how Edinburgh, the focus isn't just on the parents. Um, and even just coming into a new church, the focus isn't on just getting to know the parents. I remember after that week, Merrick went home and he received in the mail from Tammy a little card addressed to him. He was so excited. And it was like, next week when you come, come, pick, come find me, come pick out a thing from the treasure chest um, just so we can get to know you. And just to see how much they care and invested 
in him and making him feel welcome and just the investment that's being put into our kids already um, has just been amazing and we are just so excited to see that and then just to see what you guys are doing in the community um, just with the Harvest Fest and Rock the Block um, our kids are so excited when we came here just to do that um, and just being able to see how you guys are outreaching to the community has been amazing um, just to be a part of that and we're excited to get to see that kind of grow and be a part of that more and more. My name is Laura Silbernagel and um, like a lot of people I was brought up in the Catholic Church and if you would have asked me or told me a year ago that I would be sitting here in church talking about coming back to church I would have just laughed and walked away. Uh, last February of 18 my daughter got invited to come to swap by one of her best friends and she came home and she was just glowing she was a different kid that night and I was just sitting there looking at her and I thought who wouldn't want that for themselves and so she said you know you really really should come come to church and a friend of ours um, had gone here years ago before they moved and um, she'd want to talk about church and it was like I had no time for it. I would just want to change the subject. And, um, but I took a chance and we all came to church and the first thing that grabbed me was the music. The music was very uplifting, very um, enveloping and the message was so strong to me that, that I needed to be here. And the first four weeks, we, we kept coming back. We kept coming back even though I was a little bit afraid to think I have been rejecting God for the last 47 years and now here I am showing my face in his house. And I was hearing this message from Pastor Brent that this is a loving God and a forgiving God. And the first four weeks, I came in and sat in the third row with tears streaming down my face for four weeks because it was so painful and scary for me um, to actually be in a place where I didn't have to feel shame about who I was, um, that all can be forgiven, that we are all God's children. And um, so I talked to my friend's, uh, my daughter's friend's mother, and I, you know, was really asking her, you know, what is this church about? Really, you know, is it like it shows it to be? Am I, you know, is it just a good a good show they put on on Sundays. She said, no, I think if you give it a chance, um, you'll find that it's very a, a very welcoming community. And so we did. We just kept coming back, and um, it is true what Pastor Brent says. God is loving. He wants a relationship with me as much as I need one with him. And that Edinburgh is um, like a family. Um, we've been welcomed, and um, I just can't imagine where I would be right now if I hadn't
taking the chance and following my daughter's lead by coming to church. I'm Leighton and I started coming to Edinburgh in June of 2017. Um, I, I started bringing my grandparents Bob and Bev Thurston um, when they decided that they weren't going to drive anymore. So I was like, hey, I'll drive you guys to church on Sundays. And they're like, oh, that'd be so wonderful. So when, when God seemed to become, you know, more real and like practical for me, I'd never really been that person that was like, oh, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna pray and you know, because I really wasn't that like churchy person, I kind of felt a little, you know, weird in the family because everyone's like, you know, oh, this and that about church. And I'm just like, I, I can't relate. So when it, you know, it finally felt like, you know, sitting in and listening to the pastors do their sermons, I'm like, wow, like this seems so much more real than, than the last church I went to. And this seems, you know, this isn't like you're, you know, you're a bad Christian if you do this. And I'm like, well, how do people, how do people live like this on a daily basis? And, you know, to have all the pastors be like, that is, you are not a bad Christian because you do this. Okay, everybody sins. Everybody sins. It happens. Okay, and God loves us either way. And I'm like, never really heard that before, but I, I right. Kind of like, like I could feel God being like, it's okay, you know, it's okay here, it's not, you you are welcome here. And and I thought about it all the time, I'm like, well, I have colored hair, I have piercings, I have tattoos, like, am I really, you know, is this really, is this really gonna be it? Is this gonna be different? And it's just, you know, with each, with each sermon that I sat through, and then one where Pastor Brent, like, totally started off, you know, we don't care what you wear, just that you're wearing something. You know, we don't care your hair color or that you have tattoos or how many you have. You know, we just, we're just happy that you're here. And I'm like, I've never, I've never felt so like welcome to just come and like be myself. I don't just come here just to sit with grandma and grandpa now. It's like, I come here and I'm like, all right. I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenges of this week. And, you know, Grandma and I will sit and we'll talk about it all the time in the car. And I love it. Friends, that's why we do what we do. And I want to thank those who are willing to share their story and tell their story and be open and honest about how God's working in their life here at Edinburgh Church and through this ministry. Um, and by the way, we had to cut so much. You have no idea how much we had to edit. And so we're going to put the full version. We actually have other people telling their story. And those, that will be posted to our Facebook, um, our Edinburgh Church Facebook account uh, this week. You can check it out there. But I just want to remind us, friends, this, this is why we do what we do. And I told you we need to raise 50 grand, okay? 
And we're either going to raise it or we're not going to raise it, but that 50 grand is going to help us to keep this building effective and fulfilling the mission that God's given us so that we can keep seeing more and more lives transformed. Um, I know that, you know, some of you, you know, you, you haven't taken that step of faith to start giving sacrificially yet. You've just been kind of tipping God. And, you know, you've just been kind of <laughs> bringing the beanie baby. But I want to challenge you right now to consider, you know, going over and above that. And, and for the next four months, until through June, when our fiscal year ends, is there some kind of financial gift you could commit yourself to giving here at Edinburgh Church? On your way out, we're going to hand you commitment cards. And I'm going to encourage every person to take that card and fill it out. We're just asking for your name. And then a financial gift that you'd be willing to commit. I know some of you, you know, you're not quite tithing yet, but you do consistently give every month. And by the way, thank you for your consistent giving. In fact, um, I would encourage you to consider setting up what's called a reoccurring gift, which is where you can set that up online because I know how life gets and other things get in the way. But friends, I'm encouraging you to put God first and the things that he's doing here first because there is nothing more joyful than seeing lives changed. If you need help setting that up, we actually have a table out in the lobby. They'll help you with that, give you instructions. I'll even set it up for you if you'd like. But I'm going to ask you to maybe give just a little bit more too through the end of June and help us reach that goal. I know others of you, you do tithe. And some of you, you tithe and you actually have been giving over and above because you love this church. And I'm just going to unashamedly and humbly first say thank you because we couldn't do this ministry without your sacrifice. But I'm going to ask, maybe you would even want to give a little over and above so that we could reach this goal. And so you could just write that down on the commitment card. You can drop that card off in the lobby. We have giving boxes on the pillars out in the lobby. I encourage you to fill it out, put it in there. I know others of you, you're like Danielle and me, where you know, you're going to need to go home and think about it before you write something down. That's fine. Go home, pray about it. And then bring it back next week, put it in the offering plate or drop it off in the giving box out in the lobby. I want you to know this is not us going to track you down. If you commit something to the church, that's between you and God. But what it does do is it helps us to know if we're going to get close to reaching this goal. So please, would everyone take part in this, in, in this so that we can continue doing ministry here? And friends, some of you, I know you're saying, well, why, why, why would I give? Why would we do this? We do it because of people like Laura. We thought God was mad at her and didn't think she'd ever step foot in a church, but somehow she found herself here at Edinburgh Church and she heard that God loves her and that he has a heart for the one. And she sat in these seats and she gave her life to Christ Has even started serving in other areas of ministry. We do it for people like Leighton. Leighton, who didn't know what she thought about this God stuff or this church stuff, but her grandparents needed a ride, so she came. And she heard, too, that there's a God who cares for her, and there's a God who loves her, and that there's a God who has a heart for the one. And she sat in these seats, and she gave her life to Christ. We also give for this person. That's my son. His name is Logan. He's been raised in this church. And in third grade, Logan stood up in front of his class after his teacher asked, what are the important things in life? And Logan stood up and he said, the important things in life 
are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the important things in life. And then he sat down. And kids came up to him and said, would you share that with me? Would you write that down? I want to go home and I want to learn these things. Friends, I would love to tell you as a pastor, I'm the one who taught my son that. I didn't teach my son that. He learned that through our children's ministry here and through our volunteers who serve every Wednesday night in our Awana ministry to pull off awesome ministry where they partner with mom and dad so that our kids can be transformed and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's happening at this church. And I put this person up here too. Who's going to be that next person who comes and sits in these seats and has their life transformed because of the ministry taking place in this place? And so, friends, I'm going to challenge you. Take that card. Prayerfully consider giving to this ministry because we can do so much more together than we ever could by ourselves. It really does take it takes a church. Amen? All right, friends, I'm going to ask us to stand up, and I'd love to pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ministry that's taking place here at Edinburgh Church and here on this corner in Brooklyn Park. I think about those 65 years of just commitment and sacrifice so that this church can be reaching the people that we're reaching today and seeing the growth that we're seeing take place today. And I just want to ask, Father, this, this ultimately all comes from you, and so we just need more of your blessing. We just need more of you here working in our community so that more lives can be changed. People like me who come out of drug addiction and yet found you, Jesus, and had their life forever changed. Now future generations forever changed. And God, we want more. And so I'm praying that you would work and do a, a work and stir up in the hearts of your people a desire to take care of this building and to keep this building effective so that great ministry can take place here. So God, give us a number this week. I pray you would put it on our hearts and it would be from you and that we would then be faithful Help us to reach our goal. I'm going to pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.